I was in an interview recently, and um, they weren't talking to me about writing books. They were really talking to me about speaking. Um, Random House just came out, the publishing company out of New York, with a statement that I've written more leadership material than any person's ever lived in the history of the world. Yeah. And, and so they... Uh, so they were in, in this interview, they were, they were asking me uh, about what my favorite th- subject was to talk about. And I, I'm sure that they assumed that I would say leadership because I love to talk about leadership, and, but I didn't say leadership. And I, I, they probably thought I would talk about personal growth. And, and I love to talk about personal growth, but I didn't tell them personal growth. I said, well, my, my favorite thing, to, when, when I can talk to someone, the fa- my favorite thing is to share my relationship with God with them. And that, that shut down the interview. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but, but um, it really didn't. They were just very kind and, and, and we continued for a moment. But because it is, I mean, if, if somebody said you get one thing to share with anybody about any subject that you write on or know about, I would share my faith. But I'm very excited about today, really excited about today because I'm I'm going to do something that's going to have even more of a multiple effect than me just personally sharing faith with you, is is I'm I'm going to share with you today, not my thoughts, but the Apostle Paul's thoughts about how to share your faith effectively. And Paul, this is so simple, this is so clear that every one of you in the auditorium, every one of you online and every, et cetera, every one of you can get this. In fact, look at your neighbor and say, this is so simple, you can't miss it. Go ahead and tell it. Because Paul, Paul in this passage of scripture we're about to read really simply breaks down the five practices that, that of his, he really gives us his game plan for sharing faith. And for many, many years, I followed this and I'm gonna teach it to you. So I want you to take really good notes, not only take notes, but this is something I want you to take home with you. And I want you to begin to practice this. And I will promise you, not only will your life incredibly change when you learn how to effectively share your faith, but the lives of so many people will be changed because they'll be the recipients of the good news. So let's, let, we've got a lot to talk about. So let, let's just dive in. First Corinthians chapter nine, here's what Paul is talking about. He said, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Now he describes this wide range, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose living, immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized. And here's the key word, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life, I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all of this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it, I wanted to be in on it. Five share your faith practices. And I call them practices because when people ask me about how do you develop leaders, I I share with them, you can give people leadership knowledge, you can teach them about what leaders do and who leaders are, but for them to become a leader, guess what they have to do? They have to practice leadership. You you become a leader by practicing leadership. Just as you're going to become a, a person that's effective in sharing your faith, not by knowing how to share your faith, but by practicing sharing your faith. And I, I want you to begin today to be kind of a practitioner of, of faith 
with the people around you. And, and Paul gives us five very simple things. Let's go. Number one, Paul says that we are to value people and add value to them. And it's very obvious that Paul values people. In fact, he talked about this wide range of people that he values, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralists, loose living, immoralists, the defeated, the immoralized. And then he uses, he wants to make sure that we understand that he values everybody, so he puts in the word whoever. So he said, in case, in case I've left someone out, I, I want you to know I value ever. And, and what does he say he does? He says, I voluntarily, I become a servant. In other words, Paul says to add value, to value people means that I'm going to add value to them. So I begin to serve them. I serve them in any possible means that I possibly can. In our John Maxwell team, our coaching company, which is the world's largest now, we're in 164 countries and 33,000 coaches. And one of the first things we teach them is what we call JMT DNA. And the first statement we teach them is we are people of value who value people and add value to them. Now that's huge. The moment that I realize I'm a person of value, you're a person of value, and the moment that we value others, we back it up by our actions. Paul said the way I do it is I serve people, I, whoever. I, I, I'm out serving people. You see, if you're hurting, I'll help you. And, and if you're broken, I'll fix you. But if I see you as valuable, I'll serve you. Don't miss this distinction. You see, the moment that I see you, that you're hurting and I help you, or, or that I see that you're broken and I fix you, it makes me look good because I come into your life and I help you. And you say, my gosh, John, if you wouldn't have come into my life, I would have been all, I, I would still be in the ditch. And, and there's nothing wrong, by the way, if they're broken, let's fix them, okay? And if they're hurting, let's help them. That, that, this is not wrong. But what I want you to do is see it from Paul's perspective because how we view things is how we do things. And the Apostle Paul said, how I see people is not as broken or as hurting. I see them as valuable. And it's because I see them as valuable that I serve them. He says, serving is easy for me because I value you. And he may, again, he wants to make sure that we realize this is whoever. This is everybody. And, and the word whoever gives Christians a real problem. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This, this, that whoever, whoever, we wish that whoever wasn't there. Because we don't love whoever. You see, most Christians, whenever they talk about a whoever, they put a however after it. <laughs> My name's John, I'm your friend. <laughs> they do it all the time. They say, well, yeah, I know, I, I, I got it, whoever. However, this person, however, how you don't know that, well, how, I know whoever, yeah, whoever, 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 no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But however, do you know what kind of life they live? Do you, do you know about their values? You, how, however, do you know their life? However, however. Now let's face it, we're humans. And all of us have a however person in our life. Yeah, it takes you a while to be honest, but you do come around. 
We all, we all have a however person in life. Well, yeah, whoever. Oh, how, oh how, well. However, however. however. If, how many of you are sitting beside the however person in your life? Oh, don't go there. Don't go there. Do not go there. Do not go there. Whoever means whoever. You see, God doesn't change us to accept us. He accepts us to change us. And you and I have to accept whoever to add value to their life and make a difference in life. You see, Paul is saying this to us. Wherever I go, whenever I see whoever, I serve them. Serving people precedes saving people. Valuing people is our first connection to bringing them to God. If we do not value the person where they are right now, who they are right now, if we do not value that person now, we will never be able to bring them to faith. You're getting it. You, you got one. You got one. Value people, add value to people. You, you, can, you do, can you do that? Can, talk to me. Can you do that? Huh? Can, can, okay, that, that's, that's number one. Just get the however out of your life. Okay? Just get the however out of your life. Number two. The second thing we do is we embrace and hold fast to our faith. Paul said, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. In other words, Apostle Paul said, to reach people, I don't have to have their behavior. I, I, I know who I am. I know who I am in God. I, I'm, I'm a Christ follower. I, I've not lost my bearings at all. Just because I'm out there doesn't mean that I've lost who I am. Now listen to me very carefully. We don't have to be like them to reach them but we do have to like them to reach them. So many of us are like Charlie Brown who says, I, I love mankind as people I can't stand. <laughs> you, you, you don't have to be like them to reach them, but you do have to like them to reach them. Jesus said we're to be salt and light. In the last two years, I don't know if very many Christians have been salt and light. I, 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 we, we, we've, we've, we've kind of lost our way ourselves. I, we've, lost, we've lost the beautiful part of Christianity. Uh, let me just talk to you from my heart for a moment. Most Christians, they'd rather curse the darkness than turn on the light. Too many Christians are filled with fear instead of hope. Honestly, if you're like them, why would they want to be like you? There needs to be something incredibly, wonderfully, beautifully different. Paul, Peter said, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that is within you. 
In other words, Paul, he anticipated and assumed that we would live this incredibly beautiful life in such a way that we would make people hungry for God and people would come to us and they, and they would ask us the question, where, where did you get your hope? In this incredible dark time, how do you walk in light? In this time of difficulty, how do you have peace? You see, Paul said, be ready to give an answer to anyone that asks you about this hope within you. You see, it's the hope within us that make people hungry for God. I, I, I honestly, I, I hate the results of COVID, but it's been an incredible time to share my faith. I've never had a time like this. It's, you talk about easy time to share your faith and see people come to God because they're desperate, they're fearful, they're hungry, they're uncertain, they're frightened. And I use the I wish phrase with them all the time. When I see one of my friends that are, they're fearful, I say, oh my, I, gosh, I, I wish you had my faith. Man, and so, I like you so much. I wish, they say, well, you know, I'm just so tired. I, I got it, I got it. Man, I wish you had my strength. You're, you're, too God, you're too good to be weary. I wish, I wish you had, well, I, well, I've got a lot of questions. I know, I, I wish you had my certainty and, and, and my, the source. I, I promise you, hundreds and hundreds of people, I've been able to share my faith with them because, because there's something different between me and them. And I'm making them hungry all the time. Every day I just say, God, you just let me, let me be some salt, let me be, I, I, I wanna make people hungry for God. But let me tell you something. You can't make people hungry for God when you're like the world. So I'm going to refer to C.S. Lewis. In 1948, he wrote a piece called Living in an Atomic Age. This is powerful. Fasten your seatbelts. Just take the word atomic age. Think back then the atomic bomb was there. And everybody was very concerned. Take and substitute atomic age for the coronavirus. Let's go. Here's what C.S. Lewis says. In one way, we think a great deal too much about the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I am tempted to reply, why? As you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year or as you would have lived in the Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night. Or indeed, as you already are living in an age of cancer, syphilis, paralysis, air raids, railroad accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. There are people who think that coronavirus is the worst thing that's ever happened to humankind. Can I tell you something? My name is John, I'm your friend. It doesn't even make the top 10 list. <laughs> Believe me, I'm back to C.S. Lewis. That was a little ad lib by John Maxwell there. I was just helping C.S. a little bit, I just. I like this. He just needed that underlined a little bit with a couple stars around it. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love are already sentenced to death. 
before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage are going to die in unpleasant ways, and it's perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because scientists has added one more chance of a painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made and the first action to be taken. Let us pull ourselves together. <laughs> if we are going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, but they need not dominate our minds. Paul says when you enter their world, you don't have to be like them. You have to like them, but you don't want to be like them. They're lost. They have no hope. They have no peace. They have no forgiveness. They have no fulfillment. The only thing that makes us beautiful God, for God is our beautiful differences between them and us. And we've lost it because we've become like them, huddled in a corner, fearful, sucking our spiritual thumbs, wondering why people are not hungry for God. I wouldn't be hungry for God either if I saw most Christians. There's nothing I see in a Christian's life that would make me hunger for God. We need to be incredibly, beautifully different. Number three, Paul says we are to enter their world. Now why do we enter their world? To know and to understand them. In fact, Paul said it very clearly. I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. Now, this is the big miss in Christian's life. We want everybody to know our point of view. We want everybody to come to our church. We want everybody to believe what we believe. We want everybody to have our values. Come to my church. Come on my church. Go my way. Please, over here. Over here, please. Over here. Over here. Over here. Paul said, no, no, no. You leave here and you go there. And you connect with them to see things from their perspective. This is huge. Jesus did that, by the way. In Matthew chapter nine, we have the account of, it's on the screen, where he went around or about all the cities and villages, teaching synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness, disease among the people. Notice this next phrase. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Why was he moved with compassion on them? Because they fainted, they were scattered abroad, they were sheep, having no shepherd. You see, Jesus entered their world physically, he world entered their world visually, he entered their world emotionally, he entered their world spiritually. And when you and I enter their world, what happens is we begin to be moved with compassion. Here's the, way, the best way I can explain it. The closer I am to lost people, the more I love them. You can always tell Christians to don't hang around lost people more, they like to judge them and criticize them. Oh, I can spot you a mile away fake like a $3 bill. <laughs> you see, the closer I get to lost people, the more I love them. And by the way, the closer I get to lost people, the more I love God. 
Because the closer I get to lost people, the closer I get to God, because that's where God always is with lost people. You see, we have to ask ourselves a very simple question. Are we going to, are we going to connect with people or are we going to correct people? Are we, going to, are, we going to, are we going to find common ground? You see, connecting is based on the fact that we find us similarities, and we take those similarities, and that's how we begin to approach them. Not our differences, our similarities. In one of my books, I teach the 101% principle, and the 101% principle is very simple. Find the 1% that you agree on and give it 100% of your effort. Isn't that good? Just find the 1% you agree on. Forget the rest of it. Just 1% you, and give it 100%. That's the 101% principle. Christians do the exact opposite. They find the 1% they disagree on and give it 100% of their effort. And then we wonder why people are not hungry to know God. Let me just explain something to you. They won't love your God if they don't love you. And they won't love you unless you love them first. Number four, you're doing, by the way, I have to stop. You're doing really good. You're doing really good. You're just taking real good notes. And you're hanging in there real with me, so, so stay strong, okay? Stay strong. Remember, I'm your friend. I'm your friend, okay? And, 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 and we need, not you, we need this message. We, we need this message because... Jesus said we were supposed to fulfill the Great Commission. And the priority on Jesus' heart is people coming to God. So the most important thing that you do is not read your Bible. Most important thing you do is not pray. Most important thing you do is not come to church. No, 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 no. The most important thing you do is share your faith with people. That's why God sent his son, period. There is no other story. There's not like story B, story C, story D. So number four, be creative in sharing the good news with them. Now, now we're gonna talk about how do we get creative so that we have an audience or so that people want to hear or how do we make them hungry? Paul was so desperate to be creative. Look what he said. I become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into the God-saved life. In other words, Paul said, I am always finding out what you need so that I can serve you. And he said, I become about every kind of servant there is. I'm, I find out what you need and I, that's the kind of servant I am. What do you want? That's the kind of person I am. He said, I'm constantly doing this. I'm changing all the time. I'm creative. Why, now, why am I doing that? So that I can help people enter into this God-saved life. Creativity is a result of sharing your faith. This is a big miss. When I started sharing my faith, I wasn't any good at it, okay? I was not, I'm not trying to be modest, I just wasn't any good, okay? And by the way, when you start sharing your faith, you're not gonna be any good either. You're, you, no one's ever good the first time, okay? Relax, take a pill out there, would you? I love people say, well, I, I've never done it before, so I'm really working hard to do it well. I say, oh no, you won't. It's the first time when we don't do good the first time. And I mean, you didn't, talk, you didn't talk in sentences the first time. You didn't walk. You didn't get up the first day when you started to take two steps and say, let's take a walk. <laughs> You're never good the first time. That's why practice is essential. So when I began sharing my faith, people would ask me questions that I didn't know. And I'd look at them, and instead of trying to fake it till I could make it, 
I'd look at him and say, boy, that's a good question. I don't know that answer. Is it okay if I go find it and come back and see you in a couple days? And they'd say yes, and I'd go find it and come back and I'd share it with him. And, and somebody asked me a question. I didn't know that one. I'd go find it and share it with him. And I did this hundreds of times. Hundreds, I don't know. I don't know. But let me, and, and, and now, now after you do that hundreds of times, guess what? You start having answers. So you see, you could ask me any question about God in this auditorium. And I could give you a very wonderful answer very quickly. And you'd say, John, you're brilliant. No, no, I'm not brilliant. I practice. There's no brilliance here. I've already, any question you ask me, I've already answered many times because I've shared my faith thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of times. So, so it, it's not brilliance, it's practice. And, and what I want you to see here in this, because this, this is huge, is the creativity comes out of the practice. How do you develop leaders? Have them practice leadership. How do you develop people who to share their faith? Have them practice sharing their faith. So I am a, a, I am a spiritual seed sower. Just, just think of, when, when you see me, you, you know, you, Johnny Appleseed, I'm Johnny's spiritual seed. <laughs> I, I am, I, I, I'm ridiculous. I, uh, by the way, I do it every day, every, several times a day. I sow spiritual seeds like crazy. I'm just, I, and I have all kinds, and I'm, so, I'm really good at it. I'm so good at this. I have what I call my curiosity seeds. These, are, these come in the, in the form of questions. So if you see, if I, was, if I was at dinner with people that didn't have a relationship with God, I might ask them, let, let, who do you know that I should know? And let them talk about, oh, you, I, I wish you knew my aunt. Boy, she's, and I wish you, well, those are all good. When they come to me, they, oh, well, John, who do you know I should, oh my gosh, I, whoa, that's, I wish you would know God. I wish you, man, I wish you knew about my faith. Sometimes when I'm in a dinner hour, I'll say, what's the question you wish somebody would ask you that they've never asked? Oh, that's a great conversation piece. When it comes to me, I say, well, you know, man, the question I wish is, I wish you would just ask about my relationship with God. I still remember doing this at a dinner a couple of years ago at the number one marketing person in the world. Her office is in Central Park in New York City. She's a beautiful person. I've had a friend relationship with for maybe 12, 14 years. And that evening I asked that question and she looked at me, she leaned over and touched me on the arm and she said, when you come to New York City next time, John, honestly, we gotta talk about this. And we did. And she's getting close. She's getting close. I sow curiosity seeds every day. I also, I sow, I love this one, I sow what I call my secret seeds. And my secret seeds are, when I'm speaking to an audience, maybe I'm speaking to a group of business people, and I'll say, now, there are four ways to add value to people, and I'll give you three of them. And I say, what do you mean three? I thought you said there were four. Oh, I said there are but you're only gonna give us three, that's correct. <laughs> Why don't we get the fourth one? I, I, I couldn't do this at an open setting, it wouldn't be fair. I, would, I, I don't wanna offend anybody, it's about my faith. I would never go there, no, 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 no. I, please, let's stay away, let us stay away from that. <laughs> I 
people die to know your secret? <laughs> I, I was in Las Vegas speaking to 3,000 people, major, <laughs> really major secular organization. In fact, sometimes I get criticized for who I speak to, and I take that as a badge of honors. Jesus did too. I have no desire to make a Christian happy, so don't try. <laughs> Jesus and I have business to do, and it isn't in church. So I was with this extreme secular audience. Extreme secular audience. And I do, I do a lecture if I only had one day to spend with you. And it, it, I don't do it, I only do it maybe once or twice a year, but it always does well because, it, you know, and basically the whole thing is, if I had only one day to spend with you, this is what I would want to share with you to help you become successful in your life. And so I start that day by saying, if I only had one day to spend with you, we got it today, and, and there are six things that, if you and I were privately around a table, there are six things I would share with you, but today I'll share five. Why don't we get the sixth one? Because it's about my faith. I wouldn't offend anybody here. Don't want to offend you. Oh my, no, no, no. But, but the five are good. The five are really good. Let me give you the five here. The five are really good. The moment they know there's a six and you only give them five, they don't think the five are as good as you think they are. <laughs> but they think number six is awesome and they're not getting it. So when I finished the day, I said, I'm sorry, I, I know I didn't give you six, I just gave you five. If you would like to know number six, just take one of your business cards and hand it to me on the way out. Just put, just put God on that, just put the word God on it. And, and I'll call you. Every time they're slipping cards to me, my iPhone is full of people to call. And when I call them, sometimes, they, sometimes these beautiful lost people say, oh, is this gonna be the God conversation? Yeah, 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 yeah. Number five, Paul says, never forget why you entered their world. You, you didn't enter the world because you wanted to enter their world. You entered the world because you have a message for them. Here's what Paul said. It's on your screen. I did all of this. Why? Because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Well, what is the message? The message is that Jesus changes our lives. The, it's, it's why they call it the good news, not the bad news. Not the hard news. They call it the good news. And, and when, I, when, when Jesus changed my life, immediately I was attracted to that passage Paul said that if we are in Christ, we become a new person. Old things pass away. I, I can still remember I was a teenager three days after I received Christ in my life, and three days later that verse just, I mean, it grabbed hold of me that I was a new person. Old things passed away, and behold, all things became new. Now, what old things passed away? Well, my sins, oh, happy day. My emptiness, my fears, 
my loneliness, my lack of purpose. That, that all passed away and all things became new. What all things became new? Forgiveness, a relationship with God, hope, peace, joy, purpose. Friends, that's the good news. And the reason, if I can get off this chair, How did he break his neck? <laughs> and the reason I share my faith all the time is because Jesus did such a wonderful work in my life. I wanted, I wanted to do that wonderful work in your life. If you've got something good, don't you want to share it? Now Paul gives us a way to do this. So in my closing prayer today, I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to pray that this is a turning point in your life. That after this very simple conversation that, that we have had today, after looking at the five things that Paul talks about to effectively share our faith, I'm going to pray that God really helps you to consciously, intentionally, purposely start sharing your faith. And when you do, and, and somebody asks you a question you don't know, you just smile and say, I don't know that. And do what I did, you go find the answer, and then you come back and talk to them again. It's okay, you don't, have to be, you don't have to be perfect in sharing your faith, but you do have to practice sharing your faith. And as you practice sharing your faith, after a while, you really get good. Trust me, I'm really good. But I, I didn't get good the first time. You're never good the first time. Relax, take a pill. Don't take yourself so serious. Just do these five things and watch. Watch the change that happens in you when you realize that you're doing something that Jesus died for. You're doing something that God so wanted to happen that he sent his son into the world that people could know him. You're, you're going to change inwardly because all of a sudden you're going to realize that the most important thing that you ever do as a Christian is not come to church, is not read the Bible, is not to pray. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Wrong, 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 wrong. The most important thing you ever do as a Christian is share your faith. Period. End of story. Don't put however after that. It's the most important thing. And I know you. I know how much you love God. And I know deep down in your heart, you have friends, probably family members. You have people in your life that don't know God. My friend, if they don't know him, they're lost. I don't know what part of lost you don't understand. But if they're without God, they're lost. And you would like to, more than anything else, be that person that brings them into a relationship with God. So I'm going to pray for you now, okay? And if you want me to pray for you because you say, John, I think, I, I think today I got it. Maybe for the first time I got it. I don't know. But I think today I got it. I, I think you helped me see that I just need to really practice sharing my faith. 
And, and I don't got it as far as know how to do it really good yet, but, but I want to try. I want to learn. I want, I want that Spirit of God to fill me and help me to be able to be a faithful witness to Him. And so not only here at Christ Fellowship, but in all the churches in Florida, if you're listening to this message right now, here's what I want you to do. If you would like to be a faithful witness to God and really share your faith effectively and bring people into the kingdom, I want you to stand right now because I'm going to pray over you. And as you stand, I'm just going to ask God to honor this physical expression that you gave of I want to know better how to share my faith. Father, there are thousands standing here, but there are tens of thousands across Florida, men and women who love you, have had their life changed by you, and they've heard this simple message, and today they're saying, dear God, how I would love to be able to share my faith. So I pray with them right now. I just raise my hands out towards them, and I pray over them. I ask that you would, first of all, fill them with the Holy Spirit, give them courage, give them boldness, give them wisdom. And, and Lord, help them this week to practice what I shared. They may not quite get it right the first time, but help them not to be discouraged, but just to stay in the sharing their faith game and look at these five practices of sharing their faith and begin to practice the practices. And Lord, may in the next few months, tens of thousands of people come to Christ because of the people that are standing, not only in this room, but churches all over Florida who are saying, I want to be a faithful witness. I pray your blessings over them. I pray, God, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit right now. And I pray that they would sense inwardly a change within them, that this is a new day for them as they begin to tell others the good news. These things I ask in your name, precious Lord, I love you so much. And everybody said, amen. amen. And I love you so much too.